friends, this is No Creamer. I'm Nick Richards, and today I'm joined by Thomas Bokaj. He is a wedding and portrait photographer, an at-home barista, and a YouTuber specializing, I would say, in film photography on YouTube. How's it going, man? It's going good, dude. Thank you for uh, having me on the podcast. I appreciate it. Heck yeah, man. I appreciate any, yeah, anyone that's interested in this type of stuff and coffee and the creatives. Uh, it's cool. Yeah, dude, I'm, I want to start with a little bit of our, our story, how we, how we became friends, because <laughs> if you hadn't yelled at me out your window, <laughs> I don't know if we would, now I'm putting a little bit too weird of a spin on it. So, uh, we met by Sons of Liberty Coffee in Fort Worth, uh, I was out shooting some photos and it stopped in for a drink and then went out and shot and came back and you had uh, gotten in your car and you like rolled down your window and you're like, hey man. Dude, I actually thought about that a couple of nights ago and how, oh, yeah? <laughs> and how <laughs> like, uh, cause that is not something that I typically would do, but I had just moved to Fort Worth and I had noticed you and sons taking photos and outside as well. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to, go out on a limb here and just try and make an acquaintance that is interested in the same thing that I am. Because building a community, especially people that are similar to me and uh, doing photo and video and stuff like that was very important when I came out here. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to send it. I'm just going to reverse 30 feet. Because I, I think you walked <laughs> oh, yeah, right you past me. And I was like, yeah. contemplating. I was like, should I do this? I was like, yeah, I'll just do it. I'll just go. And uh Yeah. Ended up meeting you, and I was like, "This guy's pretty cool. We cool to yeah, man. go around." And hang we out hit with it him. off. It was. I feel the same way, man. Like I'm, I'm a pretty reserved person. Like if you're a barista and you're behind the bar, it's kind of like you can just you know chat it up, whatever. But yep. put me in a situation where you know I might just like say what's up to somebody in the normal flow and rhythm of a day. I'm not, you know, I'm not. I'm, I'm definitely open to a conversation, but I'm not like seeking it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it, it was cool because that was also, again, something new for me. And um, that was one thing when I came out here, I was like, I need to do a lot more of is just kind of step outside my comfort zone because I 100% agree with you. Being behind the bar is a much more comfortable setting to just strike up a conversation. We were both baristas in the past, both photographers, but I would say in my time as a barista, I feel like I was able to kind of break out of my shell a little bit uh, because of that just environment that welcomes conversation. Similar for you or no? Absolutely. Because I would describe myself mainly as an introvert as well, but kind of having something that you're comfortable doing and having like this almost this barricade but you can kind of look over it being the bar and mm -hmm. then being able to have conversation with people it is very comforting like i that was probably my favorite thing about being a barista was just kind of doing my thing and then if somebody wanted to talk or if i felt compelled to talk to somebody just uh taking that step and you know not really missing a beat with what i was doing because at that point it's just all repetition right yeah man so this is the first virtual episode that I'm doing for No Creamer because it is a rather cold day outside. Um, so in the past couple of ones, I've been drinking a uh, Chemex of whatever the uh, guest's favorite roast is at the time, but we're not in the same space because of how cold it is today. Um, thought there was going to be a little bit more snow, but that's yeah, all good. So I do want to just ask, since we're not drinking a cup together, what is, uh, what's a roast that you've been drinking at home lately? Yes, yeah, so... 
uh, first I'll mention this. I, I hope that I'll, I'll be back on here so we can do that in person. <laughs> yeah, oh, heck yeah, dude. Yeah. Definitely will. Because that is something that I would. I know I'd love to do. But so at the shop that I used to work at, Summer Moon, um, they have a lot of in-house roasts. And the one that I have been fond of for quite a while now has been uh, Afterglow, which is their their only light roast. Um, definitely has a pretty... I'm trying to think of the best word to describe it, but just it's very granular in terms of flavor, Mm -hmm. not like getting granulars in the, in the actual coffee itself. But (laughs) it just, uh, I just love light roasts because I'm the type of person that at this point in my life needs light roasts to feel that, uh, caffeine pumping through my veins. Caffeine affects me way more now in my late twenties than it did when I was baristaing. I feel yeah. like I could do two ounces of just not like espresso, just a nice drip coffee, and I'm set for the day. Like I might even stay up a little bit later, which makes me sound like I'm so old, dude. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm very envious of that. So, wedding photography, film photography, what are you doing the most of right now? You feel like, I mean, I know this last year specifically for wedding photographers, for event photographers, that changed a whole lot. So what did that look like for you? For me, it looked like uh, a lot of rescheduling. So quite a few weddings that I had were rescheduled to this year. And I was lucky enough to be able to do a couple that were still going on this past, uh, in 2020, excuse me. And, you know, those were amazing. They were kind of smaller gatherings and one was in California, one was here in Texas. I really enjoyed them, but it's been looking up. I mean, I know things are different here in Texas as opposed to the rest of the country and how uh, things are being regulated. But uh, overall, it's been a hit for sure, especially early last year. Things are kind of looking up now. I would be... Um, not lying at all to say that there wasn't a time of like extreme doubt and questioning oneself about mm. all this stuff. But I say, I would say that's kind of where film photography and starting a YouTube channel came in and helped a lot. Yeah, man. Would you say that you were questioning like not your skill set necessarily, but maybe even your desire to do photography because of the way that the last year went? Definitely. And I, that's, that yeah. was my experience. I guess yeah. that's the reason why I'm asking. Definitely. It, it, well, it's more so like, um, I really wanted to always take photos, but when it came to serving people in that specific way with, you know, weddings yeah. and events and stuff like, and stuff like that, knowing how difficult it was going to be and knowing that it could be, you know, a Monday of the week of the wedding and then you know, on a Friday and then all of a sudden it gets canceled on a Wednesday. That kind of makes you, um, question a lot like man is this ever going to happen or you know I, or you feel really bad for the people you want to serve as well so that kind of makes you feel down and it definitely uh i i mean i personally went through a wedding in the peak of covid here in texas i mean well, peak is a relative term but in 2020 in august i got married and it was a very very small affair mm-hmm. um not at all what we had pictured. So I kind of understand exactly how uh, my couples were feeling. And having that at least was was um, a cool kind of way to relate to people that are getting married in this time. So overall desire was still there, but I would just say hope was kind of going in and out. Yeah, man. Let's talk about your, your YouTube channel real quick. 
Love the videos. Thank Love you. how you are the same person on video that you are in real life, at least from, you know, from my relationship with you. I think that's something that um, is an easy medium of creativity to kind of create a caricature of yourself. And yeah. I don't feel like you do that at all, man. I think that's one of the coolest things about you as a person. The the camera that you've continued to review in different scenarios and um, shoot with is the Mamiya RB67. Um, is that your? Is that still your go-to? So interesting that you asked that question. Um, I I have actually purchased a new camera. Okay. Um, it's a Mamiya still. It's a Mamiya 645 Pro. So instead of instead of a, a six by seven negative, you get a six four five negative. Uh, and I know that's a pretty technical term for those of you who are not into film, so I apologize for that. But uh, I really just wanted a smaller camera because if you ever look at a video, you'll see that the uh, RB67 is kind of a brick. Uh, yeah, dude, it's big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I am in the market to sell that camera at this point, but the 645 that I purchased, I actually have just been shooting with it nonstop. I filmed three videos and I just got to get the film back for it. Um, so I'm excited to kind of step out of what I was doing in the in 2020 because I know that you kind of have to adapt and find different ways to progress. And I kind of was definitely not feeling held back per se by the RB, but I wanted a, d a different feel for film photography, if that makes sense. So, what would you say is the most aside from the aside from the size of the film? What would you say is the most striking difference in your experience shooting? Is it just a more enjoyable camera to use, or is there something specific about the process that you're enjoying more? Absolutely, the process. Absolutely, the okay. process. Uh, just being able to like take things a lot slower, mm -hmm. um, try and understand uh, a composition like what you're trying to do with the composition, yeah. uh, what story you're trying to tell, and then just being more mindful because that really does carry over to when you're taking photos and even taking video for that matter, just putting more thought to how am I going to compose this? How am I going to make this stand out from what else I'm doing, um, from what other people are doing? Uh, and also I think there's just a big community of mm -hmm. um, film photographers that are out there and, a lot of them have open arms. I have had great experiences with people already. Um, so that also just motivated me to pursue it even more. Yeah, man. I mean, I know I'm not the first person to say this, but so many um, people have kind of commented and chatted about the effects of digital photography on the photographic process. You've got, you know, the ability to just throw your phone, if that's the only camera that you have, you throw your phone into burst mode and just kind of mindlessly capture, you know, whatever you are wanting to. Yeah. And there is a time and place and a great use case for that, you know, but when it comes to the art of photography, it's very, you have to slow down if you're shooting film. Mm -hmm. And I recently chatted with, um, Noah Irby, one of the guys from Wayward, about him getting into analog music as in listening to vinyl records and how even that experience is something you have to slow down to do. You know, you've got to, you got to, 
the record on the record player and it can't be in your car and plug your phone into the the aux jack and and just open up spotify you got to really experience the music what would you say for you we've already i mean touched on it a little bit but has it increased your enjoyment of photography the element of slowing down first off i want to meet noah so bad (laughs) his instagram Uh, handle is my favorite of any person that i've ever met yeah it's at I didn't build the ark and it's like the nicest little subtle touch it is I I think it's fantastic and he has a beautiful shop so no if you're listening to this I want to I want to go on a photo walk we should all go on a photo walk together if possible yeah dude that'd be cool you asked me how has it increased my if it has increased my enjoyability Mm -hmm. yeah so it absolutely has um because again like you had mentioned the kind of when you have a camera that is extremely advanced and has autofocus technology that really you don't have to think when you're shooting, yep. um, obviously that helps a lot. And if you're shooting a lot of things that like like a wedding, for example, that is key Absolutely. to have. Um, but when it comes to the overall process, like the actual art of it, like you were talking about, there is just something you cannot replicate outside of film photography that when you get it into your hands, any type of film camera, um, whether that be a 35, uh, medium format, large format, you feel like you're doing a lot more. And then just the fact that you can't look over your photos while you take them, yeah, that is a very different experience if, you're, if you've been somebody who you know, has only shot digital, uh, I would highly recommend shooting film for the fact that you have to just kind of trust the process, trust yourself, take risks, and then learn from those mistakes or just be so stoked on when you get a rollback and just being like, dang, I can't believe I did that. Or dang, I totally underexposed this thing by three stops and oh, yeah. <laughs> now I know <laughs> what I need to do next time. <laughs> that happens so, or that has happened so much to me and like even running through my running a roll of the of a just like a test roll through the six four five mm-hmm. two two frames came out blank so i was like yeah i did something wrong there mm. did you buy uh joe greer's moment course by chance i did not however i was very very tempted to do it um i've actually bought in a few courses for a moment they're i think more video related but his okay I would have gone into brother. I, so I haven't finished it yet. He said something like it's an, it's an incredible course, first of all, because mm-hmm. it's more about like finding your purpose in photography, because I feel yeah. like we've all been made photographers because of our phones basically. Um, so just kind of him walking through a little bit of that journey, but he said something in it um, that really just, I can't get out of my brain. He's, you know, chatting with one of the guys for a moment and he is saying, you know, essentially how, how he's looked at his work is how can I make something that goes beyond a platform? And dude, like I can't get that out of my head because I feel like so many of the decisions that I had made with photography was how will this do on Instagram or how will this relate to the, algorithm on YouTube for people's interests and things along those lines. Like I haven't shot since September, October, because I want to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm doing it for the art of it and not just to stick it on a platform. Right. I think for myself, if I were to get into film, that it would help me in that area because 
it would slow me down. It would be something like, I feel like film photography just in and of itself asks so much of you to notice things around you even more than digital photography does. Even if you're, you know, shooting on a Fuji X100 and, you know, not with a crazy fast autofocus or something like that. Does that resonate with you at all, what he said? Yeah, absolutely. And like, here's something that I think would, 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 would do the conversation well is like, for example, if I have a digital camera in my hand and I see a moment, I have no problem just snapping away at it. Mm-hmm. And like you had mentioned, like you have to put a lot more thought in that with your film photography because you are limited with the amount of exposures that you have. I think that alone uh, pushes you to really think about, okay, what is worth taking a photo uh, of? And yeah. I, like there are, I, there are moments that I remember clearly where I'm like, I regret not taking a picture of this specific moment mm. because I, I, I didn't think it would be a perfect composition or I just was unsure about doing it. Those are the type of moments that stick with me and I truly learn from. And it's not just because like, like uh, you had mentioned, I wanted it to go on a, on a platform. Perhaps that's why I was hesitant because uh, I was thinking to myself, would this do well? Would this like please other people? Right. Instead of just sending it and being like, I need to take this picture because it, it makes, like it inspires me to do it. Yeah. And that's one thing that I've just been trying to learn is don't ever hesitate with film. Just mm. shoot it. If it's something that is compelling me to even look at it in the first place and to consider taking a photo of it, just take the picture. Don't think about who's going to be the audience. Because ultimately, I've had a lot of regret not doing a, not, or not taking a photo because uh, how I think other people are going to look at it. So I was browsing through your YouTube channel. And one of the videos that I wanted to chat with you a little bit about that I really enjoyed watching was the Venice Beach LA vlog with the 35 millimeter camera. How, how was that trip, dude? What were you going out there for? So I was actually going out there for a wedding that had been postponed. Oh, okay. Or I'm sorry, not postponed, but the venue had changed uh, to a backyard wedding. So it was pretty cool to see how they uh, adapted and made everything look beautiful. Uh, regardless of the setting, it was also pouring rain that oh, day. Oh man! And then right as it started, right as we started taking photos, it had cleared up, and the sunset was ridiculous. So you know, we got blessed, absolutely. But yeah, that's why we were. That's right awesome, there. man. So, what camera did you take to to shoot on that trip? So here's the thing: I actually did not take my medium format camera. I specifically wanted to kind of test myself, push myself to shoot with a 35 millimeter camera. And uh, my friend Travis, who pretty much introduced me to photography, played one of the most influential roles in my life when it comes to that. He has quite a few. So I ended up just shooting with, um, I forget if it's a Minolta. I think it's a Minolta 35 millimeter camera that he had. Is that the X700? It could have been. Um, I honestly, all I knew about it was I didn't really know how to shoot with this camera. Okay. <laughs> what would you say was the biggest difference jumping from a medium format over to the 35? Well, with that camera specifically, just being able to look through a viewfinder, like a uh, okay, yeah, yeah. like an actual viewfinder instead of a waist level viewfinder was a different experience. Um, metering was different because that camera doesn't have any type of metering. So I really was just kind of eyeballing it. Uh, I would break out my phone every once in a while with a light meter that it had to kind of set the scene to make sure that the light was good enough and the exposures were good enough. Um, 
overall, though, it was an amazing experience, mostly just because I got to go back to Venice, a place that I hadn't been at since like college in 2016, 2017. Mm. Uh, and just seeing how, it, how it's changed and a lot of it, you know, there's a lot of homeless there, which is just extremely unfortunate. But that's just, I guess, you know, how things are going in California, specifically Southern California. Seeing the culture down there has always been fascinating to me. Uh, and at Venice, it's very, very unique if you haven't been uh, to all the other Southern California beaches. There's a lot of characters out there. They obviously had the skate park. There wasn't any skaters because you were they were there for sunrise at that point. Um, but there was hundreds of surfers out there just doing their thing, which I thought was really cool. That is cool. You know, I feel like for a lot of photographers, we get in this like, um, I'm going to call it like a mental rut where we feel like we need to go somewhere else that might be prettier. Mm-hmm than where we actually live in order to make good photos. Is that something that you experienced while you were there? Was it like, oh man, like I can't wait to photograph this because of this. And then in coming back home, was there kind of like, oh man, I really want to, you know, get back out there to shoot these photos. Have, have you wrestled with that at all? Uh, to be honest, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> that is, uh, it's a mental block for sure because I know that photos are all around us. The potential for photos are all around us, regardless of where you are. Mm. Um, but coming from a place like the Bay Area, then to Southern California, then to San Diego, then here, uh, I was spoiled. And I could have let that serve as a mental block, and I would be lying if I said there were times where it, it hasn't been a mental block, but it definitely makes me savor anytime that I go out there because I know like what I'm going to get. I know that, the, that there are going to be opportunities there. Um, but it also reminds me that, you know, there are tons of opportunities out here. If, if you just go out and look Yeah. like last night, my, uh, Travis actually was, that was here. Oh, cool, man. Uh, and we just, and we just went to downtown Fort Worth and just shot around as much as we could, just trying to find compositions. Uh, and they're there. You just got to do some walking. You got to do some heavy lifting. <laughs> gotta gotta go for a little bit longer of a walk than yeah. you might have thought about. Exactly. I will say, man, like finding a different part of downtown from where I normally shoot and then just walking around a couple of streets, that is one of my favorite things to do because it's like, you know, I can go to the streets where I know I'm gonna find photos that I'm gonna like, but putting myself in an area where I don't really know where to look for, you know, a certain composition or something like that, because I can do that. Like I can return to the Sundance Square area and the like theater that's over there, the AMC theater that I feel like I shoot a ton of photos in front of because it's just, it's one of my favorite spots. Um, but finding, you know, different areas to walk around is definitely that slowing down patient approach to photography that I feel like makes the best photos for me. Yeah. And that's something that I've enjoyed watching from your videos. I don't know if you want to, if you're going to mention that, but being able to like hop on your, it's a, it's a head cam, right? It was a head cam for the first couple. And mm -hmm. then I switched it to the body mount, like the chest mount. Chest mount yeah. um, I love seeing those types of videos and seeing Fort Worth in that way was pretty dope. Thanks, man. I need to make another one. It's been a minute. <laughs> you should. <laughs> we, here's what I need to do is we need to go down there. I'll bring my 35 and shoot my first roll of film with you. That's what I need to do. That'd be dope. 
because there is a lot of different, in my opinion, there's a lot of different uh, compositions out there, either in the Fairmonts, uh, South Main, Magnolia, Seventh mm-hmm. Street, Houston. All those different areas have places that I love to go see, and I know you'd enjoy it for sure. Yeah, dude. Was there anyone that inspired you to get into photography, either film or digital, the whole medium? Definitely, my friend Travis, one hundred percent. Because like my journey into photography started by being somebody that was in front of the camera mostly. Oh, okay. Yeah, in college we would just go out and shoot. He'd be the photographer, um, and we would go out and shoot like everywhere, whether that was Joshua Tree, uh, downtown LA, San Francisco. Um, that was just our kind of way of having fun. I guess some people would go out and watch movies with their friends or have like like a dinner night or whatever. We would just go out and shoot. And after being in the front of the camera, I was like, you know what? I kind of want to start taking photos. And uh, I felt like I had a pretty, or it came pretty naturally to me. Um, yeah. And so I started really enjoying it. And that was just kind of how we would then hang out with just all, all the guys or all the guys and then some people from the outs- outside of our group would just kind of join in and just shoot around. It was, it was uh, enjoyable for me. What advice, you know, coming from that perspective of being in front of the camera to then going behind the camera, what advice would you give to someone who might be interested in either all of photography, you know, getting something that's not just their phone or film photography specifically, what would be your best advice for someone that's interested in that? I've actually gotten this question a few times. Um, the best thing to always remember is understanding why you're taking the picture. And I know that's been something that's, that's been preached mm-hmm. in this time is um, understand why you're doing it and then just do it. And sometimes it takes you doing it in order to find out why you want to do it. Yeah. Cause when I first started doing it, honestly, the reason why was because of the, like the community that was in, in Southern California around like the creative arts, whether that be photography, videography, was very, very appealing to me. Like it was just, there's a lot of stuff going on down there. This is kind of right, this is during the age of the influencer starting, mm-hmm. um, which honestly at that point, when you look at it, at least when I look at it and reflect on it, that's not a great why. And that was why I encountered a lot of uh, creative ruts. Then I kind of figured out, okay, I can use this to serve people. So if serving people is your why, that gives you a lot more motivation to get out of those creative ruts. Or if it's just like, this is something that brings me a lot of peace, mm-hmm. um, something that inspires me or, or helps other people uh, or inspires other people, that is a good why. So yeah, finding out why you want to do it, if you really want to pursue it, is key because that will sustain you in times where you kind of feel down on yourself because if you get into photography wanting to get clout, I know that's something that we've talked about in just terms of like the word clout and how that mm-hmm. is associated with photography, you will quickly burn out um, because it's just a lot of vanity and anything that pursues vanity in my perspective is fleeting and you're going to feel it eventually. Even if you get what you want, you're going to feel um, how fleeting it is and how unsustainable it is. So understanding why you're doing it and making sure that it's not only serving your creative desire, but helping other people as well, inspiring other people. I think that's key. Dude, I don't think I could have said that better myself. (laughs) That was really well articulated. I think I think I made similar mistakes to some of the things that you mentioned when I started it because, you know, it's easy to see 
the clout behind, you know, good photography on, especially on a social platform, you're like, man, I could really like create something out of this for this reason. And the value in doing that has such a shallow and potentially yeah. short lived span. And I think that's, you know, that's where you, if you're, if you're aware of, you know, your, your inner self enough to get into that and then kind of take a step back and ask that question, you know, am I providing value here in the right way? I feel like that's the, that's kind of where it hit me after I made some of those mistakes. And now I, you know, if I'm trying anything new or jumping anything new, I feel like the question that I always bring up for myself is what value does this bring other people, not just myself? And is this worth doing? That's a tough question to answer, man. I mean, you might not have a good answer for that. And I feel like, you know, if you yeah. don't have a good answer for it, maybe be patient, maybe take a step back from it to make sure that, you know, it's not going to just be this thing that lasts for a couple of months because you might've found some clout. I don't know what other word it's, in, it's stuck in my head now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, that's, that's the word that's, that's the jargon that's thrown around a lot when it comes to uh, photography, because, you know, a lot of doors started opening around 2015, 2016 yeah. to where people that had a camera in their hand were very, very valuable mm -hmm. to celebrities and influencers and things like that. Again, it's just all about finding exactly, like you mentioned, how do, how is this really bringing value to the table? Is this sustainable value or is this something that's going to uh, burn you out and just kind of be more toward, or more serving towards vanity? metrics and not like something that's actually mm -hmm. going to bring life to your to you and to other people that's awesome dude what would you say is uh what's next for you are you focusing on are you still doing the whole the whole gamut of your creative skill set with uh wedding photography and film are you jumping into new arenas for both of those things so i definitely am wanting to get more into video um i guess with with doing youtube i've discovered that I love editing video, I love shooting video. Uh, eventually down the line here, uh, I would like to be as confident with video as I am photography and integrating that into, you know, weddings and uh, events like that. And definitely pushing the YouTube channels as much as I can in terms of the amount of effort I put into it, because that is one thing that I have found that gives me a lot of joy. Um, just being able to look back on the progress that I've made and help people that have questions about certain things or that may be in the same boat that I am who are kind of st we're starting film then progressing through film and then trying to take like creative steps and risks outside of that because I think we can all like there are definitely people of authority already on YouTube already on all these different platforms that are doing their thing and that's incredible their inspirations but I think like documenting the process of starting out to not like being a master because that'll never happen but like getting better and better has been something that has been motivating me with YouTube yeah, man, I think just jumping on one little thing that you said there, like never being a master or something, I think that's one element of photography that I personally love. And it's the same for any skill set that you bring up. You know, if you have the right perspective on it, you know that you will always have something more to learn. And I think that's one of the joys of photography is that you're always going to be able to to better your craft somehow. Oh, yeah. Always, there's always something to learn. Yeah, dude. So uh, we have one segment that kind of wraps up the show. It's called Name That Drink. Oh, goodness. 
<laughs> I gave a little pause there because it sounds like it's a little bit more daunting, but it's 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 a lot of fun, dude. Okay, so, sweet. who is your favorite character in any you can name from a TV show, book, movie, whatever you want it to be? But who would you say is one of your favorite, or if you have a favorite, like who would that be? Um, I mean, if I had to go off the top of my head. It's between either Dwight on The Office or Michael on The Office. And people are probably be like, well, why would you pick either <laughs> of those two people? They cause you to cringe the most. Where that's exactly the reason why. Uh, let's just go with Michael Scott. Because after they took The Office off of Netflix, they just happened to play it now on, I think, uh, TV. So I, I found that today. And there's not, there's not any character that I've ever watched that makes me laugh more out of joy than Michael Scott. Okay. Well, this will be a blast then. So say that Michael Scott is walking in uh, downtown Scranton, goes to his favorite local coffee shop. What is he going to order? Oh, that's a good question. Grenadine. (laughs) (laughs) That is the least expected response that I could have possibly anticipated. That's one of my favorite scenes. Oh, man. That's so funny, dude. Of course they don't have it, but he asked for it. Yeah, dude. That's so funny. The first coffee thing that I could relate to Michael Scott from this show is whenever he goes and buys the espresso uh, maker that's going to be the gift for like the, the top salesperson, but yeah. he ends up opening it and he like goes and talks to the the girl that's selling purses in the conference room is like, hey, got to love the books. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so fun, dude. Those little Michaelisms are my favorite. He's such an iconic character, man. That's like one of my favorite things. Like uh, Rashida Jones, she had Mm -hmm. a a small role on the show. But one thing, because I get sucked into YouTube vortexes often. Oh, yeah. Um, But she was doing this talk with some sort of network and she was just saying how much she admired Steve Carell during that entire time that she was on the the set because... Every time he was just going for it with something new, something different, uh, and it really inspired her. So, like, that's something to see. That's like, that's like cool because that's mm-hmm. when you hear other people just kind of doing their own thing. They and they, and them recognizing that they have room to kind of work, yeah, creatively and whatever they're doing. In this case, acting. It definitely inspires you to kind of carry that over into whatever you're doing creatively because he is an icon for a reason because he just was fearless. Yeah, man. I think, you know, if someone really has a passion for what they're doing, I feel like it comes across immediately. Like you can just see it in the the way that they love what they're doing. It's so encouraging to, to really find that thing for yourself and to be able to give it as much energy as, as that person is giving to the thing that they're passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. It's cool to see. Yeah, man. Well, dude, it's been an absolute blast talking to you about all of these different things, coffee and and photography. Where can people find you? Definitely want to mention your YouTube channel and then any other social media that people can find you on. Yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed it as well. Thank you again for having me on. But so Instagram is Thomas Bocage. That's just at Thomas Bocage. Last name spelled B-O-C-A-G-E. And the YouTube is the same thing, Thomas Bocage. And if you are... Uh, an engaged couple or somebody that knows an engaged couple and you want to send them my way, you can find find me at thomasbocage.com. Uh, yeah, I just uh, keep everything standard. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Being able to grab social media that is like the same across the board and you get to use your real name is, is pretty awesome. Having 
Nick Richards as my name has been a challenge for that for sure. <laughs> as oh, a, do other people have that that username? Oh yeah, dude. It's like any variant of that name that I could possibly come up with has never been available. So it's yeah, got to come up with something else. Funny. The one the one bummer about my name is nine times out of ten people will mispronounce my last name, but it's okay as long as it's you uniform. Bocage, 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 a lot of Bocage. Yeah, I always be pleasantly surprised when somebody gets it. But yes, it is cool to have that. But that is the one trade-off with having that type of last name. (laughs) As always, no coffee was harmed in the making of this episode because this is no No creamer. creamer.